be shy Cause I Life won't bring you down too far This is Coogan Cassius in association with MTK Global for IFL TV Delighted to be joined by Mr. Alexander Povetkin uh, Two days away from The fight with Dillian White, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great, everything's good. Um, had the press conference today, not a lot was said between the two because there's just a the respect, they're going to do it all in the ring, I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, there is nothing can say about Dylan White. I'm, I'm just respecting him as a boxer, so it, it's, it shouldn't be you know too much talking about that. Just what Eddie said or asking. There's been a lot of talk with Dylan White, with Fury and Joshua. Do, does Alexander believe that that kind of talk is disrespectful towards the fight? Слишком много разговоров Difficult to say for me. He's not listening for them. Not listening to the interview. We'll see the time and the ring will show uh, if there is disrespectful or not. Okay, what does he think of Dillian White as a fighter? Does he think he's a good fighter? What do you think about Dillian White as a fighter? What are his positives and minus? He's a good fighter. He's a strong fighter. I think he's a high fighter and a good fighter. So he's going to be able to work well to do it well. Uh, he's a powerful guy with a good punch. He's a high-level boxer and athlete. I will uh, try very serious, uh, try too hard to, you know, to compete with him. It's been a strange environment for everyone in the fight camp and being kind of locked into this bubble. How has he found that? Достаточно необычные условия, ну как бы. Вот, нахождение, да, здесь в, в отеле, как ты для себя это воспринимаешь, оцениваешь, насколько комфортно? Ну, комфортно. Ну, я что, это, работа есть работа. Конечно, я не люблю быть заперти, но это работа, ничего Да, это профессионал своего дела, да, надо делать. This is my job, you know, if, if uh, we have such conditions, um, we have to just follow that, you know, we're professionals, so I don't like to be, you know, uh, isolated, you know, one building, but, you know, we have to do it, so it's our work, it's our work. Does Alexander believe that having no crowd there will have any impact on the night? Влияние какое-то окажет, что нету зрителей, нет трёва толпы? Да я думаю, нет. I don't think so, but we will see. I never go through this um, uh, situation.
like that where there is no people. Does Alexander believe that he will knock out Dillian White on Saturday? Веришь ли ты, что ты его нокаутируешь, или думаешь ли ты? Не, я об этом не думаю. Я просто думаю о том, чтобы хорошо мне отбоксировать. Вот и все. No, there is no thoughts like that. I need to, firstly, I need to box well, uh, follow my plan. That this is most. И не допускать ошибок. And not, not um, making mistakes. This is, this, this is what I think about. Does he have a, a tracksuit in a 2XL for me? Твой костюм двойной XL есть для него? One of your tracksuits. Нету, скажи, ну я сделаю, если надо. Если надо, я сделаю. If it's needed, we will send. Возьми адрес, я ему сделаю. Yeah, we will send. As we do the, how it's called, the the jacket for Dylan White. As we do it on the press conference. Okay. Скажи, я сделаю, если пусть оставит твои данные. I like his tracksuit, the one you all came in when you arrived there. Yeah. Leave, leave the address and we'll do that. It was a very, very good look. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, Alexander, yeah. thank you very yeah. much. Thank Best you. of luck on yeah. Saturday. Yeah. Thank you. Don't be shy, because I, the life won't bring you down too far. Some slightly disappointing news here, people. The Daniel Dubois-Eric Pfeiffer fight is off. And Daniel Dubois now has a replacement opponent who's from Holland called Ricardo... I'm not sure how to pronounce his surname. Is it Sneeders? I'm not sure. You guys tell me in the comment section. But the reason that the Pfeiffer fight is not happening, and I think that was a much better fight on paper, the reason it's not happening is unclear. It's shrouded in mystery because ostensibly Team Dubois, Frank Warren, etc. seem to be insinuating that there was an issue with Eric Pfeiffer's medical. And that's the reason that that fight with him couldn't go ahead. But Pfeiffer's people are furious and they're saying there was no issue with his medical and they believe that you know, they changed the opponent because they were frightened of Dubois actually losing to Pfeiffer. So I'll get you some quotes here. This is from Frank Warren. He said, quote, Of course, it's a disappointment that we have had to make a late change, but the most important thing was getting Daniel a solid test. And in fact, I've got to interject already because this guy who they've got for Daniel Dubois, at least on paper and from what I've seen of him in the ring, and I have watched one of his fights now, he doesn't look like a solid test. Okay, but anyway, to continue the quote, Frank Warren said, but the most important thing was getting Daniel a solid test. We've had Snyders, whatever he's called, uh, training for weeks, getting ready for this fight on the off chance there was an issue, and thank God we did. Pfeiffer's team didn't submit his MRI on time, and given the current circumstances, we couldn't stand for the uncertainty or take the risk that the fight would be pulled at the last minute. Daniel hasn't boxed since last December, some eight months ago. That's a long time, especially for Daniel, who has always been active. Daniel trained at home with his sister and younger brother during the lockdown, and he has been back in the gym with his trainer Martin Bowers for several weeks. Joe got an impressive win last month, so this is Daniel's chance to show what he's made of. Of course, my nerves will be on edge a bit next week, uh, they were until Joe came through against Michael Wallish and until Daniel's arm is raised after the Snyder's fight, 
it will be the same. Snyder's fan sees the fight and was happy to say yes and jump at the opportunity of his career. He's coming up from cruiserweight and wants to follow in the footsteps of fighters like Usek and Bellew. And I think that's all Frank Warren had to say. So we'll end the quote there. Uh, well, no, he says, provided Daniel can solve this Dutch puzzle, we can push on with the Joyce fight, then we can hope for a world title fight next year as a mandatory contender, right? End quote. So those are the words of Frank Warren. Now, I've got to take some issue with some of the things he said there, saying that this is a, you know, insinuating this is a real tough test for Daniel. I've looked at this guy, and he doesn't look like a tough test at all. He's 18-0 with eight KOs, mainly a cruiserweight, and all but one of his fights has been in the Netherlands. The Netherlands is not exactly known for having too many great boxers, particularly heavyweight boxers. And as you see, the one fight he had outside of the Netherlands was in Belgium, and he lost that on a 12-round uh, unanimous decision. And that is actually the fight that I saw. He was down in the 10th round of that fight. So I'm not saying he's a complete tomato can, but when you look at him fight, when you look at who he's fought, he shouldn't pose too many issues for Daniel Dubois at all. And this is a far less interesting fight than the Eric Pfeiffer fight. The Eric Pfeiffer fight was way more interesting than this. Now, heading over to this article here, you've got the uh, promoter of Eric Pfeiffer, Errol Sealan. And I'm going to quote him here. He says, these guys are not to be respected. They claim there was an issue with paperwork. That's BS. We submitted all medical documents in time, but never heard back from anyone from Warren's team. We asked for the contract, never heard back for days from anyone. Now Eric's training camp is completely wasted because of these bleep. I'm not exactly sure what he means by this particular word here, but I'm just going to say bleep. Goes on to say, in the beginning, we arranged for both fights. And this, he's saying this, if I can interject, he was saying this because I believe he also promotes the guy who recently fought Joe Joyce. So he said, in the beginning, we arranged for both fights. I was more unsure that the Wallish fight would happen. We didn't have all his paperwork and he wasn't in the best shape taking the fight on short notice. They said everything was fine because they knew he wasn't going to beat Joe Joyce. But we were confident that Eric was going to beat Dubois. He is in the best shape of his career. He's still sparring. We didn't know how to tell him there is no fight. They knew he was going to beat Dubois and ruin their plans for a fight between Dubois and Joe Joyce. That's why they never answered when I kept calling and texting them. They are scared and they are all bleep. <laughs> all right. Goes on to say, they are all untrustworthy. Frank Warren, his sons, all of them. I will never again do business with these people. Everything will need to be signed in writing. I'm a man of my word. I make deals and work hard to carry my reputation as a man of respect. These people are bleep. Uh, they are not to be trusted. And next time I see them, they will feel it. End quote. So there you have it from the promoter of Eric Pfeiffer. A very different story to what Frank Warren's saying. Who's in the right? Who's in the wrong? I have no idea. What I do know is that boxing is a shady business. It's full of people who don't keep their word. It's full of people who do all kinds of snidey things. So as far as I'm concerned, it could be either of them <laughs> who's not telling the truth and who's leading the public astray. Maybe it's both of them. I don't know. 
Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. Bottom line for me is the Eric Pfeiffer fight was way more interesting than this guy. Snyder's or Snyder's, however you pronounce his name. Eric Pfeiffer's a real heavyweight. Eric Pfeiffer is also unbeaten. Eric Pfeiffer can punch a bit. He had a, a solid amateur background. In fact, at senior level, he had a much more extensive amateur background than Daniel Dubois had. Achieved far more. So he'd be coming with a certain level of ambition, a certain level of physicality, because he's a pretty big guy. I think he was like, what, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, around the same height as Daniel Dubois. Not as heavy in weight, I don't think. A little bit lighter, but not too much. So that, to me, was interesting. This fight here is just a run out against Eric Snyder's or Snyder's, however you say his name. It's just a little run out against a blown-up cruiserweight who wasn't a great cruiserweight. I mean, he spent his whole career in the Netherlands. If he was ever going to do anything, if, if he was ever any good, I mean, to be fair, maybe he was tied to a promoter that you know wasn't really going to get him the best of opportunities. So I don't want to completely write him off as no good, but I have actually watched him box and yeah, he looks very run of the mill. He looks like a very run of the mill cruiserweight. And if you're a run of the mill cruiserweight stepping up to heavyweight against guys who really hit very hard, like Daniel Dubois, there's not much hope for you. The only thing I can say for him is because he's a cruiserweight and he's had to make that weight, he's likely to be in good shape. Um, he has fought a heavyweight before in his last fight. He was 213 pounds. So if he comes in around that kind of weight, maybe he can be mobile for a bit. Maybe he could mess Daniel Dubois around a little. But even at cruiserweight, he only had eight KOs. And I'm the first to tell you that knockout ratios are not always indicative of, or, or they don't always tell the, the full story about how hard somebody can hit. But generally speaking, they do give you some indication about whether a guy's a puncher or not. Generally speaking, there are some exceptions. Okay, and the guy only had eight knockouts at cruiserweight against very, very limited opposition. I mean, look at the records of the guys he's been fighting. This guy had seven wins, 13 losses. A guy who he lost to was 15 and two, 15, two and one. Fought a guy with five fights there, 12 and 14. In 2018, he fought a guy who had nine wins and 26 losses. He's fighting some very inexperienced guys here, six and old guy, a guy with nine and six. 24 with 17. I mean, his opposition has been terrible. And even with that terrible opposition, he's only got eight knockouts. And some of these fights, as you can see, he's had 10 rounders, eight rounders. I mean, several 10 rounders here. Look at this. 10 rounder, 10 rounder, 10 rounder. 12 rounder, eight rounder here. So to be fair, actually, in retrospect, looking back on his his resume, most of those points decisions were early on in his career where he was only going six or eight rounds. So, you know, maybe I need to retract what I said previously uh, about his punching power at cruiserweight because obviously if you're in a 12-rounder, you've got more rounds to get the job done in terms of stopping your opponent. Whereas if you're only going six rounds or eight rounds, you're limited in terms of being able to stop him, right? Um, but either way, you know, even if he only had eight or 10 rounds, these are poor opponents and he still wasn't able to get out of them, you know, get them out of there in six or eight rounds. So it doesn't appear to be a particularly dangerous puncher or anything like that. At cruiserweight, much less heavyweight. So let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. 
Daniel Dubois versus this uh, Ricardo Snijers guy. Are you as disappointed as I am that he's no longer fighting Eric Pfeiffer? Do you believe what Eric Pfeiffer's promoter said? That Dubois' team got cold feet because they thought that maybe, you know, uh, Pfeiffer presented a serious danger that could potentially derail the Joyce fight? Look, no, if Pfeiffer was a big money fight for Daniel Dubois, I've got no doubt that he would be happy to go ahead with that fight. You know, if Dubois didn't have a bigger fight lined up after it, I've got no doubt they'd be happy to go ahead with it. I see no reason why Dubois would be scared of the guy. But in a situation like this, where there's a bigger fight after this one, I can understand why it might be true what uh, Eric Pfeiffer's promoter's saying. I can see where the motive would be. Yeah? Again, I'm not taking his side. I'm not saying he's right. He could be lying. It could be Frank Warren who's in the right. I don't know. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. It's happening. I'm out. Join me on Patreon. I upload a minimum of two podcasts every single week, covering a wide variety of controversial topics, as well as live stream Q&A sessions. Take a look on screen right now at some of the podcasts I've produced so far. For just $3 a month, the equivalent of about £2 a month, you get access to all my new podcasts and my entire back catalogue of past podcasts, including my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. You can listen on your computer or on your smartphone or tablet by downloading the Patreon app from the Google Play Store or the App Store for free. The Patreon app also allows you to download each podcast in MP3. For less than the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to dozens of hours of exclusive content. It's easy to sign up, there's no contract, and you can cancel at any time. So come and join our community of free and critical thinkers by signing up with me here on Patreon today. Some slightly disappointing news here, people. The Daniel Dubois-Eric Pfeiffer fight is off. And Daniel Dubois now has a replacement opponent who's from Holland called Ricardo... I'm not sure how to pronounce his surname. Is it Sneeders? I'm not sure. You guys tell me in the comment section. But the reason that the Pfeiffer fight is not happening, and I think that was a much better fight on paper, the reason it's not happening is unclear. It's shrouded in mystery because ostensibly Team Dubois, Frank Warren, etc. seem to be insinuating that there was an issue with Eric Pfeiffer's medical. And that's the reason that that fight with him couldn't go ahead. But Pfeiffer's people are furious and they're saying there was no issue with his medical and they believe that you know, they changed the opponent because they were frightened of Dubois actually losing to Pfeiffer. So I'll get you some quotes here. This is from Frank Warren. He said, quote, Of course, it's a disappointment that we have had to make a late change, but the most important thing was getting Daniel a solid test. And in fact, I've got to interject already because this guy who they've got for Daniel Dubois, at least on paper and from what I've seen of him in the ring, and I have watched one of his fights now, he doesn't look like a solid test. Okay, but anyway, to continue the quote, Frank Warren said, but the most important thing was getting Daniel a solid test. We've had Snyders, whatever he's called, uh, training for weeks, getting ready for this fight on the off chance there was an issue. And thank God we did. Pfeiffer's team didn't submit his MRI on time. And given the current 
circumstances, we couldn't stand for the uncertainty or take the risk that the fight would be pulled at the last minute. Daniel hasn't boxed since last December, some eight months ago. That's a long time, especially for Daniel, who has always been active. Daniel trained at home with his sister and younger brother during the lockdown, and he has been back in the gym with his trainer Martin Bowers for several weeks. Joe got an impressive win last month, so this is Daniel's chance to show what he's made of. Of course, my nerves will be on edge a bit next week. Uh, they were until Joe came through against Michael Wallish, and until Daniel's arm is raised after the Snyder's fight, it will be the same. Snyder's fancies the fight and was happy to say yes and jump at the opportunity of his career. He's coming up from cruiserweight and wants to follow in the footsteps of fighters like Usek and Bellew. And I think that's all Frank Warren had to say. So we'll end the quote there. Uh, well, no, he says, provided Daniel can solve this Dutch puzzle, we can push on with a Joyce fight then we can hope for a world title fight next year as a mandatory contender, right? End quote. So those are the words of Frank Warren. Now, I've got to take some issue with some of the things he said there, saying that this is a, you know, insinuating this is a real tough test for Daniel. I've looked at this guy, and he doesn't look like a tough test at all. He's 18-0 with eight KOs, mainly a cruiserweight, and all but one of his fights has been in the Netherlands. The Netherlands is not exactly known for having too many great boxers, particularly heavyweight boxers, and as you see, the one fight he had outside of the Netherlands was in Belgium, and he lost that on a 12-round uh, unanimous decision. And that is actually the fight that I saw. He was down in the 10th round of that fight. So I'm not saying he's a complete tomato can, but when you look at him fight, when you look at who he's fought, he shouldn't pose too many issues for Daniel Dubois at all. And this is a far less interesting fight than the Eric Pfeiffer fight. The Eric Pfeiffer fight was way more interesting than this. Now, heading over to this article here, you've got the uh, promoter of Eric Pfeiffer, Errol Sealan. And I'm going to quote him here. He says, these guys are not to be respected. They claim there was an issue with paperwork. That's BS. We submitted all medical documents in time, but never heard back from anyone from Warren's team. We asked for the contract, never heard back for days from anyone. Now Eric's training camp is completely wasted because of these bleep. I'm not exactly sure what he means by this particular word here, but I'm just going to say bleep. Goes on to say, in the beginning, we arranged for both fights. And this he's saying this, if I can interject, he was saying this because I believe he also promotes the guy who recently fought Joe Joyce. So he said, in the beginning, we arranged for both fights. I was more unsure that the Wallish fight would happen. We didn't have all his paperwork and he wasn't in the best shape taking the fight on short notice. They said everything was fine because they knew he wasn't going to beat Joe Joyce. But we were confident that Eric was going to beat Dubois. He is in the best shape of his career. He's still sparring. We didn't know how to tell him there is no fight. They knew he was going to beat Dubois and ruin their plans for a fight between Dubois and Joe Joyce. That's why they never answered when I kept calling and texting them. They are scared and they are all bleep. <laughs> all right. Goes on to say, they are all untrustworthy. Frank Warren, his sons, all of them. I will never again do business with these people. Everything will need to be signed in writing. I'm a man of my word. I make deals and work hard to carry my reputation as a man of respect. These people are bleep. 
Uh, they are not to be trusted. And next time I see them, they will feel it, end quote. So there you have it from the promoter of Eric Pfeiffer, a very different story to what Frank Warren's saying. Who's in the right? Who's in the wrong? I have no idea. What I do know is that boxing is a shady business. It's full of people who don't keep their word. It's full of people who do all kinds of snidey things. So as far as I'm concerned, it could be either of them <laughs> who's not telling the truth and who's leading the public astray. Maybe it's both of them. I don't know. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. Bottom line for me is the Eric Pfeiffer fight was way more interesting than this guy. Snyder's or Snyder's, however you pronounce his name. Eric Pfeiffer's a real heavyweight. Eric Pfeiffer is also unbeaten. Eric Pfeiffer can punch a bit. He had a, a solid amateur background. In fact, at senior level, he had a much more extensive amateur background than Daniel Dubois had. Achieved far more. So he'd be coming with a certain level of ambition, a certain level of physicality, because he's a pretty big guy. I think he was like, what, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, around the same height as Daniel Dubois. Not as heavy in weight, I don't think. A little bit lighter, but not too much. So that, to me, was interesting. This fight here is just a run out against Eric Snyder's or Snyder's, however you say his name. It's just a little run out against a blown-up cruiserweight who wasn't a great cruiserweight. I mean, he spent his whole career in the Levelands. If he was ever going to do anything, if, if he was ever any good... I mean, to be fair, maybe he was tied to a promoter that, you know, wasn't really going to get him the best of opportunities. So I don't want to completely write him off as no good, but I have actually watched him box and yeah, he looks very run of the mill. He looks like a very run of the mill cruiserweight. And if you're a run of the mill cruiserweight stepping up to heavyweight against guys who really hit very hard, like Daniel Dubois, there's not much hope for you. The only thing I can say for him is because he's a cruiserweight and he's had to make that weight, he's likely to be in good shape. Um, he has fought a heavyweight before in his last fight. He was 213 pounds. So if he comes in around that kind of weight, maybe he could be mobile for a bit. Maybe he could mess Daniel Dubois around a little. But even at cruiserweight, he only had eight KOs. And I'm the first to tell you that knockout ratios are not always indicative of or they don't always tell the, the full story about how hard somebody can hit. But generally speaking, they do give you some indication about whether a guy's a puncher or not. Generally speaking, there are some exceptions. Okay. And the guy only had eight knockouts at cruiserweight against very, very limited opposition. I mean, look at the records of the guys he's been fighting. This guy had seven wins, 13 losses. A guy who he lost to was 15 and 2, 15, 2 and 1. Fought a guy with five fights there, 12 and 14. In 2018, he fought a guy who had nine wins and 26 losses. He's fighting some very inexperienced guys here, six and old guy. A guy with nine and six, 24 with 17. I mean, his opposition has been terrible. And even with that terrible opposition, he's only got eight knockouts. And some of these fights, as you can see, He's had 10-rounders, 8-rounders. I mean, several 10-rounders here. Look at this. 10-rounder, 10-rounder, 10-rounder. 12-rounder, 8-rounder here. So, to be fair, actually, in retrospect, looking back on his, his resume, most of those points decisions were early on in his career 
where he was only going six or eight rounds. So, you know, maybe I need to retract what I said previously uh, about his punching power at cruiserweight. Because obviously, if you're in a 12 rounder, you've got more rounds to get the job done in terms of stopping your opponent. Whereas if you're only going six rounds or eight rounds, you're limited in terms of being able to stop him. Right. Um, but either way, you know, even if he only had eight or 10 rounds, these are poor opponents and he still wasn't able to get out of them, you know, get them out of there in six or eight rounds. So it doesn't appear to be a particularly dangerous puncher or anything like that. At cruiserweight, much less heavyweight. So let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. Daniel Dubois versus this uh, Ricardo Snyder's guy. Are you as disappointed as I am that he's no longer fighting Eric Pfeiffer? Do you believe what Eric Pfeiffer's promoter said? That Dubois' team got cold feet because they thought that maybe, you know, uh, Pfeiffer presented a serious danger that could potentially derail the Joyce fight? Look, no, if Pfeiffer was a big money fight for Daniel Dubois, I've got no doubt that he would be happy to go ahead with that fight. You know, if Dubois didn't have a bigger fight lined up after it, I've got no doubt they'd be happy to go ahead with it. I, I see no reason why Dubois would be scared of the guy. But in a situation like this, where there's a bigger fight after this one, I can understand why it might be true what uh, Eric Pfeiffer's promoter's saying. I can see where the motive would be. Yeah. Again, I'm not taking his side. I'm not saying he's right. He could be lying. It could be Frank Warren is in the right. I don't know. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. It's happening. I'm out. Join me on Patreon. I upload a minimum of two podcasts every single week, covering a wide variety of controversial topics, as well as live stream Q&A sessions. Take a look on screen right now at some of the podcasts I've produced so far. For just $3 a month, the equivalent of about £2 a month, you get access to all my new podcasts and my entire back catalogue of past podcasts, including my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. You can listen on your computer or on your smartphone or tablet by downloading the Patreon app from the Google Play Store or the App Store for free. The Patreon app also allows you to download each podcast in MP3. For less than the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to dozens of hours of exclusive content. It's easy to sign up, there's no contract, and you can cancel at any time. So come and join our community of free and critical thinkers by signing up with me here on Patreon today. Hello there, the appetizers have been served over the course of the three weeks and it is now time for our main event. I'm talking about the big fight that is on Sky Sports box office between Dillian White and Alexander Povetkin. I'm very much looking forward to this event. Matt and Johnny are with me. Matt, I'm going to start with you. Who are you picking and why? Dillian White, and I can't look past him. I think he's, um, you know, really established himself as one of the top heavyweights in the world. Over these last couple of years, he's improved. He's got better each time. Okay, last time out in Saturday, he didn't look so hot, but you know he had the whole UCAD thing hanging over his head. It'd been a, it really dragged out for him that year. And I think he just needed to get in the ring. Came in heavy. He was sluggish, but you know he got the win. It, box ticked. But I think now coming into this fight with Povetkin, he'll be really you know chomping at the bit, looking to not just win, but I think he wants to win in winning style and make a statement and kind of you know say I'm back. Absolutely. Johnny, who are you going for? I'm guessing you're going to pick White too. No, no, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. No, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to 
White at 32 years old, Povetkin's Pave uh, at uh, he's 40 years old. Uh, it's the right timing, uh, especially as a heavyweight in the early 30s. That's when everything starts to gel together. Dylan has, 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 has proved himself to be a, a world-class fighter uh, for the last, what, six, seven fights, whatever. Uh, but he's proved he belongs there. After looking at Povetkin's fight um, against Michael Hunter, it told me that there's... Um, um, He's, he's, he's on the slide, and, and on paper it's great, uh, uh, but he got a draw with Michael Hunter. Michael Hunter, to me, is not a big heavyweight, he's awkward, um, um, but Hunter, to me, I actually thought won the fight uh, for, for, for Dillian. Dillian's the kind of guy that he's the right side, he's got long arms, he can bang, he'll be, he'll be fit as hell. Um, I think he's got everything in his favour. It's been dubbed, Matt, the, the battle of the left hooks. Do you think it's going to come down to that? Or, or what, what do you think it's going to come down to? Yeah, maybe a bit of size as well. Dillian, he's, he's a big heavyweight, you know, he's, um, and he's improved in his technical game over the last few years. But he's jabbed particularly deceptively. As Johnny rightly said, he's got deceivingly long arms. And uh, he's got pretty good timing too. His jab's really improved. He throws a nice uppercut as well. But his left hook is definitely his honey punch, as they say. And he, you know, he, he throws it differently to how Povetkin does. Povetkin likes to kind of uh, lean onto his front foot to kind of, you know, put the transfer the weight onto his front foot and then transfer the weight across. And that's where he gets the power. But Dillian's very kind of sneaky with his left hook. He throws a really good catch and counter. He, he likes to invite the right hand from his opponent. He catches it and then quickly comes back with a short left hook. And he's very fast with it. So um, it'll be it'll be a good fight. It'll be interesting. I think he'll be looking. I think Dillian will be looking for that looping right hand that Povetkin throws, and that's when he'll look to catch him with the left hook. But I think the timing of the fight suits Dillian. I think Povetkin's had a great career. Um, I mean, he does defy age a little bit the way he keeps on going. I mean, last year, yeah. Johnny rightly said had that close fight with Michael Hunter. It was a draw. I I, I also thought that uh, Hunter did enough to get the win. But even the win against uh, Huey Fury was a good win. Povetkin, you know, he's, there is still life left in the old dog. He's not quite done yet. He's definitely still dangerous. So Dillian will have to be at the top of his game. But I think as long as he is, I think he'll have just too much in his, his arsenal for Povetkin. Johnny, we, we know Dillian's been out in Portugal training hard. He's, he's been out there a, a fair while now, hasn't he? We've spoken to him several times throughout lockdown. But he's obviously had that separation. He's parted ways with his trainer, Mark Tibbs. That's not ideal preparation, is it, for a fighter? How would it affect him, do you think, or not at all? You know, Dylan, I don't know if he'll be offended by this, but I think he's ignorant enough to make sure it doesn't actually uh, bother him. Um, and we only know what's happened on the outside. We don't know what's happened on the inside. So if this has happened now, it's something I gather is... It's amicable between them. Uh, uh, Dylan trains, that's what he does. He, he spent the last two years of his life training more than he's fighting. Um, I think uh, the disturbance in camp with the with the uh, uh, departure of Mark. Um, yes, of course, it's going to make a difference. Yes, of course, it's going to be that 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 percentage of doubt there. Uh, but I actually think that Dylan, um, he's he's rude enough, he's rugged enough to think, right, I'm just getting on with this job here. And uh, it's a it's a pity, and it is a pity because on the outside, those two look like they were a great team. Um, I don't know. I don't. I hope it's not permanent. If it is, that's just how it is. That's our fight game. Uh, but I don't think uh, it will make a massive difference to 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 Dylan, apart from tactics wise. So, so for instance, if he has to change tactics or, or the plan of going into the fight, uh, 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 
Mark's a, he's a he's a good strategist, if that's the right word. So uh, Dylan's going to make sure he has a, a right. He, Dylan's from a combat background, so I'm quite sure he can put those all those things into place. And what about Matt? The fact that he's fighting with no fans there. I mean, so far in fight camp. It doesn't seem to have affected the fight as much at all. There's still the adrenaline. I mean, the whole pyrotechnics, the fireworks, everything else that's going with it. I mean, it really does give it that extra oomph, doesn't it? But do you think that will affect Dillian? Do you think he needs the crowd there? No, um, I don't think so. I think because it's such a big fight and such a dangerous fight, and it is, Eddie has really put the show on him. And it does have, even though yeah. there's no crowd, it does, there, you do have that big fight feel. So... I don't know. I, I don't think so. I think Povetkin's a dangerous guy. He'll know he can't overlook him. Uh, there's so much on the line. He's been made. He's got the mandatory position now at last, well overdue with WBC. I don't think he'll be looking past Povetkin. I don't think that he'll, he'll struggle to get up for the fight with the crowd. I think there's too much on the line. I think both men will have plenty of butterflies. The nerves will be in the stomach. I think they'll both be absolutely up for it. I don't, I don't think that the crowd not being there will affect this fight. What do you think, Johnny? Do you think no crowds could perhaps favour Povetkin? Not, uh, not at all, because I gather Povetkin was considering coming out uh, to the UK two weeks before. And uh, so I think you've got two consummate professionals here that are not enticed, uh, uh, intimidated by the crowd at all. And, and, and that's, that's, that's what you've got. You've got two guys that just want to fight. They're just at a different stage in, in their career. Uh, in regards to what Matt said, um, uh, I, I think that the fact that uh, Dylan's been made officially the, the mandatory challenger for the WBC title, I think Dylan's learned that until he's in the ring, nothing's, nothing's certain, nothing's going to happen. And so I don't think that's going to take his eye off the ball either. He has to take one fight at a, at a time and make sure he gets the win. He's take, the risks he's taken... Uh, in fights that he probably could have picked easier opponents, have been mad, but he's made sure he's established himself from people uh, on paper and on, on from the fighting public to say, this guy deserves to be there in the mix. So uh, I think he's professional enough to make sure the crowd, the no crowd being there, makes no difference at all because he's had enough risks as it is. So uh, I, uh, I think they're both getting there and getting a good job done. I think it's going to be weird as well because... It's a good fight, a big hitting fight with no crowd there. We're going to hear every punch, every grunt, every moan, every <laughs> complaint in the fight. And so, again, it, I mean, I'm intrigued. I am very intrigued. And what about the news, Johnny, that's come out that Dillian White will fight the winner of Fury Wilder 3? If, you know, when that happens, because Bob Arams obviously said that potentially that not, might not happen until February, that, that rematch, you know, because of crowds. Do you think that could be a welcome boost for Dillian going into this? I personally think, and I, I don't mind if I'm wrong, I personally could see uh, Fury uh, giving up uh, the belt and, and uh, Dillian fighting someone else. Yeah, yeah vacating it uh, because Fury will have other, other, if not better options. But again, there's just something telling me that I could see him pulling, uh, um, um, uh, vacating the belt. And uh, so, so it's all in the air at the moment. And these are what ifs, uh, but uh, I think again, uh, as I said earlier, I think Dylan's the kind of guy that, that doesn't believe it until he stood in the ring opposite the opponent, and so he doesn't get carried away with that. What do you think, Matt? With the WBC situation, uh, it's just he must be so frustrated. But 
I think Johnny's right. I think he's been probably been disappointed that many times with it by now. He's probably thinking, I believe it when I see it. You know, I'll, I'll keep fighting it. I'll keep pursuing it. Take everything with a pinch of salt. Yeah, and, and, and just focus on the task ahead, which is, you know, Povetkin. I think he's, I don't think Dillian is looking past Povetkin. I think that as of now, all he's got in his mind is beating Alexander Povetkin. And then after that, I'm sure his primary concern then will be looking to push for that WBC. But again, it does things out of your control. There's mandatories. There's other fight dates happening with Fury. You you, his whole career can't be based around Tyson Fury. He has to be active and keep busy, which he has done, and it's credit to him. And I think that's why his popularity has grown. I think that's why he's improved and developed so much. It's because he hasn't sat there idle waiting for a shot. He's stayed active. He's took the next. If he can't get the fight that he wants, he takes the next best fight. And, I, and that's a credit to Dillian. And I think that's why he is where he is now. One thing that I, I'm looking forward to is our pundit on the night is going to be Anthony Joshua. And he's, of course, shared the ring, isn't he, with, with both fighters, which I think is going to add a little bit of an edge. What do you think, Johnny? The fact that AJ's going to be uh, sat there, Dillian's in the ring, Povetkin's in the ring. Who do you think he will see as the easy night's work? I think officially, um, he'll look at that and he'll be supporting Dillian, officially. Give him a, just poke the right pulp, say the right word, and then it'll all come out. <laughs> uh, uh, and so, of course, uh, remember, he's, he's brought Povetkin, so he knows exactly what's in front of him. To Dillian, he's boxed Dillian as well, he's boxed both these fighters. So, he, so I personally think he knows the hardest fight is Dillian that's out there, uh, regardless. Um, so I, uh, I, I just think it's going to be pretty spiky. Uh, so, so, and I'm quite sure if you nudge him in the right direction, Anna, he'll probably say something a bit controversial in regards to to Dillian. So, uh, so if you don't, I'm gonna. Uh, but um, I was gonna say me never. There's, no there's, there's no love lost between these two, and so, um, so with him there, he'll have a critical eye and he'll be professional and say as little as possible. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. He might have that attitude, but I'm quite sure we could talk him into uh, saying what he really thinks. But that's the thing with with no crowd there. This could be the uh, the added spice that they need, Matt. Yeah, look, it's a fine line. That they're obviously they are going to be respectful of each other, even if they don't come yeah. across that way. I say they'll respect their trust me. They've, they've shared the ring, but it won't take much to tip the balance and get and get a bit of needle going because <laughs> it's there, you know, without a doubt, it's there. And. Um, you know, Dillian, you know, when you're on a night of a fight, emotions are running high. You know, don't someone says the wrong thing. It doesn't take too much to, to flip that. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, finally, so so what happens, Johnny? What happens on the night? I think we're going to get uh, a mid to late stoppage from Dillian. Uh, you know what? Forget the mid. I think we're going to get a late stoppage from Dillian. Um, uh, Povetkin will keep coming. He's a, he's a warmonger uh, and he will keep coming for the win. He wants to keep himself in the mix. Uh, I think it's going to be a late stoppage. Don't be surprised uh, about the drama because Povetkin is world class and he's proved that. But I just think he, he's on the slide. So uh, I think that heart is going to be the thing that, uh, that will be his biggest fighter there in the ring. All right, Johnny's going for late stoppage. Matt, what are you going for? Uh, I'm going for Dillian, but I think it'll be on points. Ooh, okay. Well, make sure you join us. Thank you very much, guys, for today. It's going to be a big one. Sky Sports Box Office. And don't forget to book the fight. You do not want to miss it. Don't be shy, because I 
the life won't bring you down too far. This is Coogan Cassius for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. It's Wayne Day, Fight Camp, Week 4, joined by not really a late arriving. Dave Corwell. Returning. Returning, that's a better one. Returning Dave Corwell, who was let out of his cage last night. <laughs> yeah. You had a quite a short wait in there, though. Yeah, it wasn't bad because it was only, f I think it was four tests yesterday. So I didn't have the old 18 hours that I've had in the previous two. Um, so I managed to get out late last night and, um, uh, yeah, and I managed to watch um, Dylan do a bit of pads and a bit of training. So, this is uh, nothing surprises in boxing anymore. Uh, but it was, I think it did, everyone was like, oh, mm. Dave's, Dave's brought in the big guns, Dave's coming in. But it kind of makes I sense. I was when I, looked at, when I looked at my phone, I got my message. Um, but just looking at it from an outside perspective, um, the experience of Mark Tibbs isn't there. Mm. So, I'm sure the team is adequate to go in there and, and do a job, but they're they're bringing you in and it kind of makes sense why they're bringing you in. So just explain to me the process of how this come about. So um, I've always got on with Dillian. I always get on with him. Um, you know, Instagram, the days of Instagram, people always ma uh, messaging and keeping in touch and whatever. you. See him at shows, have a bit of a laugh and whatever. Um, and then I got a couple of weeks ago, got a, got a message off him saying, uh, I might, might need you for fight night, if that's all right. I just, I, sometimes you get you get asked things, you get asked things a lot and nothing happens to them. So I, I, I'm at that point where, yeah, all right. And I just, yeah, yeah, no problem if you need. That's it. That was it. And then, um, so we're still keeping touch about other stuff, blah, blah, as you do. Um, he always mentions me about his football and things like that. And, um, and then uh, I put a post up when I left here after I hope his fight. And I put a post up at my store where I got home or something like that. And he sent me a message saying, don't forget you're back in quarantine next week. I was like, oh, okay, so it's, so it's, so it's happening. And that's it. And then, you know, it moves on from there. So, um, so yeah, so, it's, um, it's nice to be, it's, it's nice to be uh, back. But it was weird when I was going, because when I was, because I was like, oh, that's it, that's it you do. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's me done. But I'm thinking, I might be back, I don't know. Because I don't take anything until I'm here. Once I'm here, then I'm here. That's it. He's the sort of person, Dillian, to like invite you to a party next year, tell you the date like a year in advance, and then don't mention it. You don't turn up to the party and go, Kick off. Why didn't you come? I invited you. <laughs> yeah, I know a few people like that, and that's why, that's why I kind of like left it, and, and um, you, don't, um, you don't take it as, as, as real. You know, I, I didn't, all I'd said to my, um, to my family was, I might be back in fight camp. I don't know. That was it. I might be back in fight camp. I don't know. And obviously, I told Lou, and, and kids were like, "Well, who, who's, who are you going to be with?" And I'm like, "I'm not telling you. If it happens, it happens." And that's kind of like what I was like until I know it's definite. Well, you don't even tell your wife. Yeah, I told my wife. Oh, I didn't tell my kids. I was going to say, I've yeah, I didn't tell because because my kids love. Listen, my my kids love Chisora, Bellew. Um, David even and Dillian, you know, the, the, the big fans of these guys. So I didn't want to tell them I was working with Dillian. For them to get excited and then it doesn't actually happen. And, and then I look like some sort of mug to my kids. So I just kept it quiet. I said to my, I said to my wife, I said, I might be back in fight camp. I said, 
Dylan's messing with me, but I don't know if it's going to happen or not. From a personal perspective, why did you want to get involved with Dylan and um, the corner on Saturday? I, I love boxing. I love what I do. Whether I've, whether I've worked as a cutman for people, you know, I went, we had a move to we Andy Lee over to um, uh, Vegas for uh, um, for his world title fights, and I've worked we had him before. I've worked with other people as cutsmen. Just uh, I've worked just to give an hand in the corner. I don't mind. I, I love the sport, so I don't I don't need to be head trainer and all that. You know, I, I, if somebody and if it's if it's a friend, if it's somebody like and they ask you for help, then you don't you know you, you don't mind helping out. And it's a massive fight. Listen, I was going to watch this fight anyway. You know, um, it's a great fight. I said, funny enough, somebody brought up a tweet. Um, an old tweet of mine from two years ago, Dilly mentioned it yesterday, um, where two years ago I'd said, uh, Dilly against uh, Perwetkin's fight that I want to see. What yeah, I see fight. that, yeah. yeah. Two years later, I'm, I'm, I'm actually working and I'm involved in So you were setting, setting it up from Planting there? seeds <laughs> subconsciously. Um, so I'm assuming you guys had a chat last night <laughs> with, with the team as well. So we're assuming Xavier Miller He's kind of taking yeah. the lead. He's he's been his coach for the last god knows how many months while they've been out in Portugal, you know. Um uh, he's he's a coach, he's whatever he's been working on, he's been working on and that's what that's what the the they're working towards game plan for for Saturday night. I've just been brought in just as an extra set of eyes, just to see things, spot things. Regardless of what you want to say, I've been involved in a lot of fights, a lot of big fights, a lot of you know, um important fights, big big events um, and you pick up things you learn things you know but at the same time is, is you work as a team in a corner you know I, my first ever corner was Richie Wenton in a British title fight um, against Scott Harrison that was my first ever corner with one of my fighters and I had Darky Smith as the head corner man and I was just there because I because I wasn't experienced it was my first corner so it, it happens, you know what I mean? You see a lot of big, big fighters, they have two coaches in the corner and things like that. As long, you know, it, it, as long as you're all there to work for the same goal, then it, it works, it can work. I suppose it works well with you because you know you can have too many egos in a corner where it's like even though you know Xavier is the, the head trainer, you could, not saying you're like this, but you could they didn't obviously want someone that was going to kind of clash with him in the corner and be too opinionated when he didn't need to. But you you ain't like that, are you? So you kind no, of... but what I am is I am quite vocal in a corner. You're vocal, uh, not, but... I won't speak over somebody. And, and when, when, but during the rounds, I am quite vocal. Yeah. So I, and I've been told not to take that away from me. Yeah. You know? um, because that was what I was a little bit, oh, hang on a minute. I'm, I've got, because if I'm sat on Roe, you can hear my big mouth. If I'm if there's a fight going on with somebody that I like and somebody that I want to win, I'm I'm vocal then. So when I'm actually there to help somebody try and win a fight, then I am vocal. I mean, I'm when with my own fighters, whatever you know. So you are going to hear me, you know, or, or should I say, Dylan will probably hear me. Um, but that's what I've been brought in for. But no, what I'm saying is there are trainers out there that would probably try and not try it, but they just through it being naturally to them take over the situation because that's what they're used to doing but 
I suppose you're working with part of a team. I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm a second man, and, yeah. and I'm, I'm there if I'm needed. If I'm not needed, I'm, I'm not needed. If everything's going to plan and there's nothing for me to say, and then I'm, I'm just sat there and I've got the best, best seat. I was going to say for free, but no, it's paid for tickets, but I've got the best seat in the house. <laughs> but my basic point was you haven't got an ego. No, so. no, no. Ego's for my fires. There we go. Um, no, to be, to be fair, we've all got an ego, haven't we? Everyone's we, got we an wanna, ego, we but what I'm saying is, that's part of it. We've I just feel like I could name a few trainers that it wouldn't be a good fit mm. into that corner where you are, you've got to realise that you are the second person. Mm. But, um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good call from Team White to, to bring you in. Um, how many times has Derek Chisora texted you? It, it did text me, just it's just because <laughs> Sky went big with it. I was like... I, and then he sent me a screenshot of Sky's post, and he went, "Is it just is this true?" And I just say, "Yeah." So I'm just just a second pair of eyes. That's all. Is that cool? Is that? Is that? I'm not I'm not working with Derek now, but so you know it is what it is. No, but we kind yeah, of assumed that Derek would yeah. have said something to you at some point. But no, yeah, but that's that's cool. all it was. That's that's all it was. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah Derek, Derek's cool. Listen, Derek's got his own his own fight to prepare for, um, and his own his own goals and everything like that. What? While ever they're not clashing, then Derek's the kind of guy that he wants Dylan to work. He wants, he wants British fighters British to do fighters, well. Do you yeah. know what I mean? He's, he's very patriotic. Between yeah. the two of them, you're yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and also, Ruben used to work with Derek. Yeah. Xavi used yeah. to work with Derek. So, yeah. 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 And Pete. And Pete as well. So, so, so yeah. Yeah. I think that's. I think to be fair, I think that's the only reason why I've been brought in because I used to work with Derek. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. I'm saying it could be a, you know. A masterstroke, we're hoping it is. Uh, but just the, the fighting mm. in general, Davis, um, still a dangerous fight. I mean, regardless yeah. of what age Povetkin is. Um, and we don't know, kind of, as Povetkin's getting older, how his legs are, what's left in the tank for Povetkin. But we know that he can punch. Yeah. And he's And you know in those bursts where he goes to work, yes. that's the key. That's the key. Because when he, when, when he puts those bursts, bursts together... It might as well be fresh and young because yeah. that's what happens with a lot of old fighters. As we age, we mould our style to what suits for our physical capabilities. So whereas maybe when he was younger he could go and go and go and go, now everything's condensed. So he'll be a little bit of a sly fox and be cagey and tricky, looking for those openings. And then when he sees those openings, then he can put maximum effort into those those bursts. And then if you stay safe on, throughout those bursts. And on the end of those bursts, if then you can make him work, that's when you can get him to feel his age a little bit more. Mm. Um, because he likes to pinch pinch breathers a little bit um, a bit more often, as we all do as we get older. But he's still a very, very good fighter. He's still very, very dangerous. He does things that are quite unorthodox for a heavyweight fighter. Um, you know, and, and little things where when, and as he's, as he's taking his head across, he's throwing the other, he's throwing the overhand right, taking his head across, he's throwing the left up. He can close the range down really well. Um, and if you just stand right in front of him, he'll, he'll, he'll tee off on you. you know? mm. it's, it's an exciting fight because styles make fights. And the way that Dillian fights, um, you know, he, he ain't, ain't going to go in there like Muhammad Ali um, and start floating around the ring. You know that there are going to be exchanges. You know that there's going to be shots landing and shots swinging. Um, so it, it is an exciting fight, but it's a dangerous fight. And I know they've tagged it maximum violence, but it's got to be sprinkled with a little bit of intelligence in there as well and and and, and some smarts 
พระเชนซูโอเคเนี่ยได้เลยนะโอเคยินดีสมัครมาโอ้โหแล้วแต่โอ้โหแล้วแต่ผมรู้แล้วผมรู้เขาแค่ชนะ2ทัพย์ไม่ใช่ผมรู้ไม่ใช่ไม่ใช่ไม่ใช่ไม่ใช่ไม่ใช่ไม่ใช่ไม่ใช่ไม่ใช่ไม่ใช่ไม่ใช่ไม่ใช่ไม่ใช่ไม่ใช่Elite, yeah. elite level. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what a key for me is? People, a lot of people talk about all oh, the hunt the fight. Oh, it looked, it looked this, it looked that, right? A big thing with that is if you'd have You know, and it looked like he was going to be wiped out really at one point. Um, he'd have kind of like gone through the motions and lost the fight. Probably, his pride and everything probably just lost the fight on points. But he dogged it out. He gritted his teeth and he kept pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, and he and he dragged the result out of out of a loss really. Um, and that shows you the the mentality of him. That shows you where he wants to be in the sport. He's not done yet. You know. Um, also. Um, Attitudes as well, because you can perhaps look at Hunter until you get in the ring with him, and perhaps think, oh, it's, "It's a little cruiserweight that's come up, you know, into into a big boy division." I've been in with all these big guys. He's not going to stand up to my power. I perhaps taken um, Hunter a little bit lightly. I think that was Hunter's breakout fight, really, in the division, um, where everyone's gone because that is a really good result, and a lot of people thought Hunter won it. Some people thought Beckham won it. Um, so. Maybe he could have taken Hunter a little bit lightly in that fight. Mm. Um, looking at him now, I've, I've seen him, you know, doing a little bit of workout and everything. Like I said, he's, he's not all high energy, constant line. But what he does is very, very good, very, very dangerous. He, he, he puts his shots together very well, really sharp, really fast, and very, very accurate. Um, so it's a very dangerous fight, a really dangerous fight. Mm. I think I read yesterday that Hunter's actually backing Pavetkin for this fight, isn't he? It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Surprise, because he shared a ring with him. Yeah, he knows. Like this, what I'm saying is, is you can think that with somebody that's that's getting older, when when old fighters usually, when it's going their way, they're all right. They keep going, keep going. Once it starts getting put on them, it's very hard for them to to dig down and, and drag it out themselves to, to keep in there with such a you know younger, more energetic sort of fighter. Mm. And let's let's get this right. Hunter stylistically is all wrong for Bebekin anyway, because of his moves, his angles, his sharp shooting, it, it, you know, the shots that he throws that were giving Pavetkin problems were the shots that Pavetkin couldn't see. But he adapted and that's what was very good about Pavetkin, is he adapts and he and he works things out. A, a lot of these Russian fighters are and, and he's got all this bank of experience of being in with all these different fighters, sparring all these different fighters. And at the top level, but he he susses things out as he go along, and so he adapted in that fight, and then it became a case of where he you know he, that's that's what got him the result out of it. But again, I'll go back to saying if ambition and and where he sees himself in the game, if he didn't think that he still had another world title shot in him, and if he wasn't driven for that, he'd have kind of just settled for a, a points loss out in Saudi Arabia. He's, he's, who cares? You know, and it, and it just it had just gone out like that, but but he didn't. And he, you know, looking at the shape he's in right now, you know they're here and they're serious. Mm. Okay, Dave, thanks for uh, this little morning interview. It's, uh, we're not that early; it's nine o'clock. No, but uh, some, some people, some, some, to some people, it's early. Not to us, obviously. Yeah. Or you, you're probably up at five. Some of us have been, you know, doing a bit of training and stuff. Prison training. Yeah, I came down to go in the gym and um, Povetkin was in there on the treadmill. So, oh, okay. 
turn around, went into the boxing gym, Luca Clay's already in there just doing a little stretch and I'm like, oh, okay. So I had to do a do a run on uh, on the little bit of prison yard. Which has got bigger. It's got, every time I come back it's getting yeah, bigger they're pushing bigger. it. They've pushed it back more just because obviously Gillian's Winnie Bago. Yeah, but you know what? He's I've got to have a word with him because he's parked that there. That's taken out our football tennis. I've come back expecting, you know, to... to cricket, football. Cricket. I'm not really a cricket I'm guy. Not, I'm not. But it's fun to watch, actually, especially yeah. watching Gareth A. Davies. He's yeah. actually a very good bowler, by the way. Yeah. Um, okay, Dave, I'll let you crack on with your day. got the way in today. And uh, fight night tomorrow. And fight camp's over. I know, so. I know. It's been good. It's been, do you know what? It's been a wicked experience. And, and the funny thing is, I heard somebody say something about this um, this morning, actually. Um, I always do it while I'm involved in big events and things that are going off, you know, Bellevue Nights and things like that. You don't enjoy it while you're in it because of the pressures and because of what you're doing. You're here to do a job. Um, but then after, you look back and think, wow. And this is one of those things. It's like, you know, this is probably never going to happen again. I hope it never has to happen again. I hope if it happens yeah, again, it's a choice. But the whole thing, then the quarantine, the you know strictness on the security and all that sort of stuff, and just how they turned everything into media centres and gyms and stuff, it's been brilliant. It's been a brilliant experience, um, and there's a, there is only a handful of us that have experienced it, so it is something quite unique, um, and you know it, it's it's a lot better than what I thought it was going to be. I thought, you know, beforehand, I thought, oh my God, because I had two fighters in the first two, I thought basically two weeks of quarantine down, oh, it's going to be a nightmare. But we've had a good, good giggle, we've made the best of circumstances. And it's been, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a good experience, it's been a good laugh. Absolutely. Dave Corwell, thank you very much for talking to IFL TV. Cheers, Matt. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch up with you over the weekend. Thanks, Matt. Don't be shy, because I Life won't bring you down too far. Dave, we'll come to you first. Dave's arrived, he's out of quarantine. How good is it that he's now here? Another pair of eyes on the camp. No, it's good, it's good. Obviously, you know, Dave's experience. A lot of people don't know Dave used to be in Dave today's corner, help them out. Derek Cesaro, Tony Bellew and loads of other talent at our level up and down the country, you know what I mean? And um, he's someone who's done it properly, he's had fat, fighters and small shows, big shows, you know what I mean? He's been consistent, you know, he's been consistent, being a trainer has been consistent for years and the latest results is obviously, you look at Tony Bellew changed from Tony getting knocked out by Dennis Stevenson and moving over to him to becoming Cruiserweight World Champion and defeated David A twice, you know. Up a great game for Nana, and I believe Billy was out boxing Rusek for the first four fight, um, four five rounds as well. So, you know, he knows a thing or two about boxing, Chelsea. Dave, a, a fight camp veteran. I think it's <laughs> the third week you've been here now, mate, making it your home. But let's get your thoughts on when contact was first made and how happy you are to be now working with Dylan. Yeah, just a couple, a couple of weeks ago, weren't it? Um, yeah. Me and Dave's been talking for years, though. I mean, we yeah. always give advice and stuff. He's some of the people that give me and pieces of advice before the fights, you know, and good criticism after the fights as well, so it's good. Yeah, we've known, we've, obviously we bump into each other around the shows and stuff like that, and you know, obviously I liked him a little bit more when he had his bald head, you know, because we had something in common, but um, yeah, we've had, we've had good jokes, good good banter, we always get on, and you know, I've, like I've said before, he's always kept in touch uh, uh, of a message, so when I got a message off him saying, you know, 
might might need might need a, a, a pair of eyes in the corner on fight night. At first, I'll be honest with you, I thought a lot of people say a lot of things and you just mm. brush it off. And then um, I left fight camp and um, I think I put something on my Instagram where I was back back home and it says, just remember you're back in quarantine next week. I was like, oh, okay, right. So, um, and then it's gone from there. So, you know, it's, um, like I said, I'm, I'm here to help whatever way I need, I'm needed, whatever way I can help, I'm here to help and, and just do a job, do you know what I mean? So. Uh, uh, everything's on. Everything's been done. The camp's been great. You know, talking to all the team and everything. They're, they're so happy with him. You'll see when you see him on, you know, on, on scales. He looks in great shape. You know, he's 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 done all the work and he's and he's put the time in and the dedication over in Portugal. And now it's just about putting everything together on fight night. Is yeah. this sorry? Didn't go no, on. sorry, go on. No, I was gonna say. Um, obviously, I've got a great team. Obviously, you know, it was um coach's idea because. Michael's just shooting the game. He studies a lot, and when when he officially when he first said it to me, I was like, "Oh, okay, um, cool." But then he made the point. Look at Josh Foreman. Look at Muhammad Ali. Look at um, all of these fighters. They have more than one coach. There's a reason why. There's a reason why these guys have more than one coach. Cause sometimes you're emotionally charged. You know, what I mean, you've been working for months. Emotionally charged, and you might not see something that's going on. It could be the slightest thing, but it could make a difference. Sometimes it's good to have someone who was emotional, obviously they would be emotionally involved as well, but he of the bit of neutral thing where he'd be like, ah, oh, you know, and obviously he's just my coach respect him, he respect my coach. So and I respect Dave as well. So his advice would be like, okay, obviously coach or whatever say, listen, blah blah blah, I'll take that on board because it's someone who I trust and it's someone who's got the experience as well. So, you know, when when coach explained it that way and told me his thinking behind it, I was like, you know what? It makes a lot of sense. You know? That's like um even my old team, um, Mark had his dad, you know, for that, because his dad had an experience and his dad was a part of the team, but his dad was a second part of the team, if you know what I mean. His dad only come in and fight and bring that, you know, so it's like, okay, this, that, the other one. So, you know, and I thought about it, obviously, I was like, oh. Dave, you're always very vocal in the corners, but for Saturday, a bit more reserved, and as Dylan said, just that extra pair of eyes. Yeah, it's just what I, what I see, say it as I see it, um, you know. Mm. I, the, the thing about me is is whether I'm in a corner or if I'm sat at ringside, if it's somebody that I want to win, I'm mm. always shouting anyway. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I, 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 I hear him a lot in some marble fights. Do you know what I mean? Throw so, the hook, do this, <laughs> so, do that. You know? So, um, yeah, that's that's just how I am. And and so I'll, I'll just I'll kind of be like that a little bit more and we'll have dialogue in the corner. Mm. And, you know, hopefully I'm not needed and, and, and everything just goes as everything's been planned and, and you know, things things happen, unfold on fight night as, as we want. Mm. And confident that from what you've seen of Dillian, he's yeah. 100% got enough in, the, enough in him to do the business on perfection on Saturday night. I think, I think with the fights that he's had over the last few years, it's it's layer upon layer that's just been added to him as a fighter. And it's, it's same thing, experience. You cannot buy experience. You have to go through those moments in fights to be able to add to the experience. And that is, is what you're going to see on Saturday night with, you know, with everything, the, he's had real fights. He's not had fights against gimmies. You know, we think he's half a lunatic for taking fights when he doesn't <laughs> need to. Do you know what I mean? Taking fights like that. But because he's coming through them, it's adding to him and it's making him a more rounded fighter. Um, I think that's what, what the difference is going to be on, on Saturday night. You're going to see a, a more of a complete fight. Funny enough, two years ago, that's a fight Dave called for. <laughs> and then two years down the line, it's a fight that's not in the middle of a problem. But th this real. 
it's and the cosmos is so weird. It's like funny enough because when I knocked at Lucas Brown two years ago, he was oh, I'd love to see Dillian White fight Alexander Povetkin next. And then two years later, we are fighting Alexander Povetkin and Dave is a part of the team. It's, it's mad, it's mad the all things fall into place and work out like that. It's yeah, crazy. It's, boxing, it's, mad. it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. We were just looking in, it seemed like you were having sort of team debrief was that your final shakeout now before fight night yeah yeah you know obviously you know sometimes it's hard because you feel like i want to do a little bit more i want to do a little bit more but um we've had the same formula we train around the same time we're going to fight closer to the fight and just you know little sharp bits because all the hard work's done i'm not going to get any better now the only thing is that i'm going to get rest of anything so it's about matching it right doing enough but still feel like oh, i want to do another you know just getting that keeping everything cocked and ready to go and um i feel good i feel good i feel good at, like i made weight i'm not hungry i don't i'm not starving like oh i'm starving myself to get down like uh like now i can go and eat if i want to eat you know i can just go and eat whatever i want to eat if i want to eat you know drinking water and stuff and i just feel good i feel good i feel i'm just ready for <laughs> for 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 maximum and technical violence and saturday Dillian White and Dave Caldwell, do you feel this is the start of a new journey together on Saturday? You know, listen, like I said, I'm 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 someone that that's logical. If it makes sense, it makes sense. If it makes sense, it makes sense. You know, obviously we work, we get this one out of the way, I'm sure we won't have no problem getting on with Dave and Dave won't have no problem getting with up with us. We're so quite straightforward people. And I've always said on my team, there's no ego. It's not, oh, I'm the boxing coach, that's it. You know, it's the team. It's a team. It's a it's a team where because sometimes even though you're the boxing coach, you might not see something or you might be telling me something and I'm just not getting it. Then someone might say, "Oh yeah, it's weird. It's weird. It's weird." Sometimes working stuff for months, you don't click. Then you see someone else bar and does it, and you're like, "Oh, yeah. that's how you do it." And it, it's weird, man. And I, I, th- I think people people like to read into things a little bit too much mm. as well. It's like. I've been asked to come in to do a job on one night. That's it. Right? Mm. There's, there's no, there's no need to think about what comes after this, what comes after that. It's, it's, it's for one night. And also, like Dillian said, this sort of thing. If you look through the, a lot of great fighters, they all have. There's, there's more than one coach. You know, I during lockdown, I've said recently, <coughs> Jordan's dad, coached him as an amateur, and so during lockdown, obviously we went in the gym. Mm-hmm. Jordan's dad was doing the pad work and things mm-hmm. like that. So I was watching things on FaceTime, and because I'm watching things from a different angle, mm. I'm seeing things differently to what, because when you're on the pads, you're doing everything mm. yourself, you see it in that one dimension, that's it. But when you see things from a different angle, you spot things. And so I've brought that on, so now once a week, Jordan's dad comes up and, and we do work like that, so we're carrying on and maintaining, and it's about evolving, and it's, you know, like like Dylan said, with, with Mark, he had his dad. In fact, funnily enough, my one of my first biggest fights as a coach I had Jimmy Tibbs in my corner as a cut man when mm-hmm. Ryan Box, Ryan Rhodes boxed Gary Wilton for a British t- British title. And it's just having that other other. I'm not saying it's it's to make you feel more comfortable and and, and, and back yourself up, but it's just having it's somebody else knowledge, there. Knowledge, you know I mean? knowledge, so knowledge is. is key. It's knowledge, you know. What I mean, it's knowledge, mm-hmm. and that's like even Zav um, is like you know he's got other guys at a gym that we do pads with. Uh, he brings Brima over. I do body work with Brima because he understand that he sit back and he look at things, let me do stuff with other person, you know, and his, his way is slightly different things that he does. Uh, but it just makes sense because that Dave said, you, you know, if you have four or five fighters and they're big hitters or whatever, you get tired. So by the time, maybe by the time you get round to me, 
he's trained the other guys. I think he's going to be a bit tired or a bit jaded or, or just not as mentally sharp. So sometimes it's good to talk to someone and say, listen, you take him for the first eight, then I'll come in. You know, it makes sense, having more than... Because you can't do everything yourself. No one can. Are you going to bring the shaved hair back for Saturday? I'm bringing back the 60s, man. You know, the whole... You know George Foreman, he said, look, and Joe Frazier. Bring it back. Take I wish I could grow a beard, though. This inspiration is from beard. Jordan Gill, I think, with a haircut. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just trying to make Dave jealous, to be honest. <laughs> he ain't seen his hair for a hundred years. No, no listen, I'd, I'd love to have hair like that, but it ain't happening for me. But also, Dave, the student of the game, that you are very knowledgeable, as Dylan was saying, of boxing, you know how dangerous Alexander Pebekin still is. Oh, of course, yeah, of course. He's, he's, listen, he's a very, very good fighter. Um, and he, he's he's a bit of a sly fox. He's mm. not It's not just straight. It comes for the knockout, but he <coughs> does things in clever ways. And, and Dylan needs to be alert. It's not just a case of, of going out there and, and gunslinging and showing these big balls. Everyone knows he's got balls. You know, he's, got, he's, got a, he's got to have some intelligence in there as well. Um, and because Povetkin is a, is a, is a top-line fighter. Um, Ball consistent. You know, it's been prepared for. You know, it's, been a, it's been a great camp. I've spoke to everybody and, and they're all saying how, you know, how happy they are with him. Um, Dillian's happy in himself. And that's the main, at this point in, in, in a camp, when you're coming into a fight now, this is the most important thing is, is how he feels and, and and for a fighter to be feeling that they're ready to go now everything's just great everything's gone well check you have a little mental checkbox in your head have we done this right i've done everything when you when you've done everything right you don't have any demons in your head and you can just go out there and just do what you do and and that's the spot that he's in right now so that's all that that's all that matters really well gents brilliant thanks very much for your time and uh, we can't wait for saturday we'll see you tomorrow for the wait Oh, they got to see